You better get ready. The coffee's poured and the on-air signs flashing. Broadcasting live and local. This is Lee Faulkner on 864 Triple M. Yeah, g'day, I'm Lee Faulkner and welcome to the podcast edition of the show. It's an opportunity to catch up on some of the things that you might have missed or maybe listen again or even uh, like with this particular episode uh, where we play for you the full and unedited version of chats that I have with uh, people like Aussie music legend Brian Cadd and we uh, had a great chat about his classic songs like Little Ray of Sunshine and Ginger Man, his latest album he recorded in Nashville and uh, his uh, upcoming show in Toowoomba with his good mate Glenn Shorrock from the Little River Band and I've got the full unedited version of our chat for you right here on the podcast. We'll have a bit of a laugh with uh, a couple of You Can't Be Serious episodes. Our good mate Dobbo, he talks uh, all things sport and more right here on the podcast edition of Lee Faulkner on 864 Triple M. Sit back and enjoy as we welcome our good mate Brian Cadd back to the Garden City. Good morning and I'm very excited to be coming to the Garden City. Toowoomba is one of my favourite places, it's so pretty. It is a beautiful spot. We, we live in paradise here. And, of course, the Empire Theatre, one of the uh, most loved venues for performers oh, uh, right around the country and, and around the world. I, I mentioned you being, you know, I mean, all those accolades, you've, you've had all of those and you, you've received some incredible accolades along the way, including a Order of Australia. Uh, you, but surely none bigger than being put up on the Hall of Fame at the Parks Elvis Festival, Yeah. So glad you mentioned that. <laughs> it was one of the more. It was. It's a great honour, and I'm very proud to have done it. But it's a rather bizarre <laughs> setting, you know. Cause, cause, I mean, I've never seen so many Elvis Presley wigs in my whole life. I just anything else. But it's a massive, lovely thing, and and we did a show afterwards, which was fabulous. They went right off, and they really know how to rock. Um, I recommend it for anyone who hasn't been because it's the most fabulous trippy weekend you'll have. And if you go up on the train, which I didn't, but if you go up on the train, apparently that's amazing. Absolutely incredible. Uh, you're this year celebrating 50 years of a song that is synonymous with you, uh, which you wrote as a nod, I, I believe, to uh, the novel of the same uh, name, Ginger Man, and the, I think the novel's called The Ginger Man, uh, and it's a bit uh, bit controversial, but uh, that beautiful song of yours. And and given the lyrics, given given at the time, in, in 1972 when you released that, uh, you know, there, there's references to different parts of the United States in it uh, along the line of the book. Were you surprised at how Australians took to that particular song, given that a lot of the stuff around that time was a bit more jingoistic? Yes, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> I am rather. It was, and I'm also amazed at people, people, you know, in CD lines and stuff, even now, yeah. people in, at the airport or somewhere will come up to me and chat and then they'll say, God, I really love Ginger Man. Oh. And I've got to come but you, what's it about? <laughs> what do you think? This thing was, you know, so many people bought it. Yeah. And I bet you can't ask. I bet if you, you can't find anyone who can tell you exactly what it means. And some nights I can't either. But it's, um, <laughs> it, it's, I think it's a bit of a nod more than anything else, just to the, to the style of, of, of uh, you know, the, the narrative that was going on in those, in those days. Okay. I mean, we were, you know, we were pretty much 
straight out of the band and yeah. and, and that era, you know. And, and in fact, that's why Axiom was formed because of the band. And uh, you know, we still that was I retained that whole influence all through those first few albums. And you can hear it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And of course, you mentioned Axiom and uh, another song that I'd imagine you can't go anywhere without somebody saying something uh, about it. And look, I played it on this show uh, 12 years ago when my daughter Emma was born uh, and shed a tear as I listened to it, as I always do. Uh, Little Ray of Sunshine. I mean, uh, just one of those endearing songs. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's a real connection with the audience because so many people have had that experience. Incidentally, I have a theory that there's a radio network that only operates outside maternity wards because (laughs) so so many times people come up to me and say, you know what, we were taking little uh, Elsie home and as soon as we walked out in the street and got in the car, there it was. was. was And I keep thinking, you can't be getting paid that much. I mean, over the years, I suppose. Oh, well, it's a wonderful song. But I, but I tell you what, you've lost nothing because I was listening to your, well, what I believe is your latest album. It's 2019 now because we seem to have lost a couple of years along the way. I, uh, Silver City, which I know you did a lot in, in Nashville with this. And and the songs on this, I mean, it ranges from a bit of R&B to a sort of bit of country sound. Uh, Slice of the Knife, what a track. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, so you've lost nothing all these decades down the track in in what you're doing today, I'm so glad you can say that. I'm so I, I was so, I'm so proud of that album. Oh. It, was, it was recorded in, in Nashville and in a very quick, quick time, actually, two and a half weeks. We did everything, and it was one of those ones where the producer, who incidentally is an Australian who lives there, I can just put, yeah, he put a put a whole bunch of musicians in um, in in the studio and, and put me in the vocal booth and said. Okay, you've been bullying everyone with that piano. <laughs> just, just shut up and sing. And, it, and the idea of being a singer in the band again, like that, with, with that you know, without actually playing anything, was amazing. And I think that was part of its secret as an album, was the fact that I came from a really different direction. Yeah, and I love the the cover uh, photo of you. Uh, sort of, uh, it, it's reminiscent of uh, Johnny Cash's last album. It's uh, it's sort of channeling a bit of Neil Young. It's it, it's just a wonderful photo of uh, of you on the front cover. And I recommend to anybody who uh, enjoys Brian's music, uh, check out Silver City. I uh, I did it just on Spotify, uh, but go and have a look at it. It is uh, just absolutely brilliant. Uh, and of course, then you'll be joining your old mate Glenn Shorrick on stage, and uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of wonderful memories. And, I, and I'm a Assuming some great stories that must go along with this two amigos tour. Oh yeah, it's just madness, and it's great. It's like it's a, it's a culmination of of maybe about fifty-four years of friendship and a lot of adventures along the way. <laughs> We're very, very old friends, and we've been sort of everywhere and done everything together. And we also happen to have both grown up in one of the more exciting music periods, I think, of all time. Definitely. No one could deny that the year from 1966 onwards was a pretty exciting time. And it was a really good time for Australian music too because it was just growing up. And we went through all that and our audience went through all that. And when you sit and look down into the audience, you can see so many people who have obviously been there from the beginning, you know, and they're still come out and see us and, and they, it, I think that that peculiarity of 
of that audience from the 60s and early 70s who just refuse to lie down or admit they're old and stay home. They're just not those people. <laughs> so, and we're not either. So, you know, it's, it's one of those lovely moments. And it happens every night, and we don't really know exactly what's going to happen every night. Um, and part of that's because we've got no memory left. And the other part of it is... <laughs> <laughs> the other part of it is that there's some, there's some room to move in the show, and it moves sometimes very interestingly back and forth. Wow. It's great fun. Like, uh, it'll be just a brilliant show. What a wonderful night of incredible music, great memories, great stories. And uh, look, Australian music in a pretty good place at the moment, and it's by no means uh, part of the history that yourself and Glenn Shorrock provided for us uh, back in those days as it was burgeoning. So thank you for the music over the years, Brian Catt, and the music still to come. And uh, thank you for coming to Toowoomba for this show. Get your tickets for Shorrock and Cad, the two amigos, Sunday the 5th of June at the Empire Theatre, you'd be mad to miss this one. Brian Catter, thank you so much. An honour and a pleasure to chat to you. Oh, thank you for the time, mate, and the help, and I look forward to seeing you all there. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious, and as we all know right now, elections can be a long and tedious process as we wade through the never-ending circus of political parties telling us how much better off we'll be with them. But in Wales, things have gotten a little spicy, thanks to the Welsh Nude Party and a local council election flyer that claimed the Nude Party were going to envision a naked Britain should they be voted in. I'm not sure that any of us are quite ready for that, but hey, the flyer appeared in Newport West Wales and provided Dennis Smith a platform for his Welsh Nude and Proud Party campaign, which he was standing as the active candidate for. A man presumably meant to be Dennis Smith is plastered on the front of the flyer behind the slogan, Say Yes to No Clothes. The party promises huge changes to public spaces, allowing more room to be nude in national parks, along with cleaner air to enjoy the great outdoors. Disturbingly, though, they are pushing for more public transport, including electric buses fitted with wiped-down seats. And a reminder that being nude makes you safer with a claim that naked men are 90% less likely to be mugged. Yes, not only gross, but mugging a naked person is as futile as voting for the Liberal Democrats. But alas, voters may have to wait a little longer for policies that include a renewed Newport Centre, as it turned out the flyer was a gag. And whilst the idea that a local council candidate could somehow be elected and then allow Wales to go nude... Seems a little far-fetched, it's still far more believable than this. Maximum home loans below 3% for the next five years. You cannot be serious! Well, a big fight night tonight in uh, the place they call Zoo Castle. And yes, another member of the Zoo Clan is going to be fighting as well as that. A former NRL hitman is looking to create a little bit of history. And uh, my man always at the forefront of these fights, say, is my good mate Rob Scheif from Before the Fight. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. How are you? Isn't it an exciting time in boxing? Unbelievable. There is so much going on. I mean, uh, incredible what we're seeing on the world scene. Uh, Who would have thought that Canelo would have got beaten the other day? We talked about him the last time that we spoke. Uh, And there's uh, also plenty happening on the home front. And tonight in Newcastle, uh, as I say, Paul Gallen, he's looking to create a bit of history, becoming the first former NRL player to get an Australasian title. What do you reckon his chances are up against the bloke that I'm going to let you pronounce his last name? 
<laughs> yeah, look, he's got a very tall order in Chris Tersievsky, uh, the Macedonian master that he is uh, down from Melbourne. Look, uh, history on two fronts there. One, as a crossover to be getting a title belt, being the Australian title. That's never happened before. Anthony Mundine didn't get it. Um, you know, Hopper Hopper got the Australian title, but um, not the Australasian title. So he's, he's getting uh, he's break he's making a bit of history there by being uh, able to get the Australasian heavyweight title, but as well, no heavyweight has held the the Australian and the Australasian titles sanctioned by the ANBF at the same time for a very wow. very long time. So, Gal, all, all the. Uh, it's just all fallen into place for him, and it seems like he's he's come up trumps on this one. And tonight, with five weeks preparation, we get to see him tested against a very, very accomplished and uh, accredited amateur uh, pedigree, Chris Tersievsky, uh, when Gal said, after Justice Heaney, he was not going to fight another real boxer again. He said he wasn't in for titles, he was in for a payday, and he was going to be fighting other crossover NRL and AFL kind of players. We know he wants to fight Sonny Bill, but this fight came up, and history has a chance to be made. And the true champion that he is for the sport, he's grabbed it with both hands. Yeah, and he's been uh, very vocal about uh, promoting the fight and the way that he's going about his business at the moment. Uh, he's a bit shorter than uh, Terzievsky, but he he's a little bit heavier. So it'll be a very, very interesting matchup. I don't know that it's set to go the, the 10 rounds, but either way, uh, this will be an absolute belter. Uh, the, another big fight on the card, of course, is uh, the other member of the Zoo Clan, Nikita. Uh, I, I've heard them refer to him as this bloke is total chaos. Uh, he's up against uh, Mason Smith for the super welterweight fight. How do you see him going tonight? Look, it's, everybody's raised an eyebrow to this fight when they heard about it. Mason Smith quite accomplished in his own right. 5-0. and oh. Nikita at uh, only having his second pro fight tonight. It is a bit of a step up, but you'd have to think that the way No Limit... Uh, you know, promote and and their fighters and move them along through the ranks. That they wouldn't be taking on Mason Smith if they didn't think that they Nikita had a solid chance of winning. But absolutely, this is a test. Make no mistake about it. It will not be a first round close out like it was against Aaron Stahl. This fight will go for um, you know at least four or five rounds, and it will be a banger, an absolute banger. Obviously, Nikita, like you said, referred to as chaos because he. Ref- kind of refers to himself as a butcher whereas he kind of refers to Tim as more of a surgeon. So they are very different in their styles, the Zoo Boys. But Nikita firmly wants to make sure, like Tim did, that he's carving his own path with his own name. Alright, and finally uh, the Australian lightweight title up for grabs say uh, in sort of the co-main bout. Harry Garside, uh, this young fella with the uh, with the mullet uh, up against Leighton McFerrin. Uh, Garside looking the goods. Do you expect him to uh, to do the damage? Absolutely we do. Again, the same thing, you know. Uh, there was questions about Harry's last fight against Manuel Matet, and he just showed that he's just levels and levels above. He does everything a little bit different. He doesn't sit down in the corner. He stands up because uh, he trains the way he fights. He fights the way he trains. And when he's sparring and he's doing training, he doesn't sit down. So he doesn't think that he needs to sit down in the corner when he fights. And along with the haircut also comes the, the ballet and the ballet shoes, yes. uh, being a plumber, and the paint fingernails as well but the kid is he is very busy inside the ring and obviously very very busy outside the ring he's a next generation of boxer and he's really breathing some fresh air into the sport 
Brilliant. Well, it'll be a fantastic night of fights, a big card and a couple of titles and maybe a bit of history in the making too. Uh, my good mate Rob Scheif and before the fight is the place to go for everything boxing in Australia and around the world. Mate, thank you as always for your time and enjoy the fights tonight. Mate, absolute pleasure. We will indeed. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And ever since the decade of decadence, people have been adding the ultimate I have more money than you bling to their already often eye-wateringly expensive cars. The personalised number plate. And state governments around the world spend way too much time and effort ensuring they comply to societal standards. One such state is Florida in the US. And as you can imagine, in places like Miami, there are many a W-A-N-K-E-R but at least that won't be their number plate because it's been rejected. Now, Florida drivers have a lot of leeway when it comes to getting a personalised licence plate. But over the last three years, Floridians have applied for more than 1,000 personalised plates, a vast majority of which were rejected. In fact, nearly 800 of them. So you can be sexy grandma, but not fart ma'am. They're having none of doo-doo and you idiot, but I got a pee and Mo Sticky gets the thumbs up. You want to get some or you're feeling McNasty? No problem. But oh, farts and Mr. Poop are out. Get you some. Free as and Satan lives were rejected, but reviewed and overturned. One driver expressed frustration with the pandemic applying for FU COVID, but that plate was rejected. Other submissions got a little political, like FU Biden and F Trump also being rejected. And then it starts to get a little dark with letter and number combos that spell out things like violent, crazy bitch, kidnapper and homicidal. Not surprisingly, getting the chop. Yet sicko and debully punched their way through. Now, I know it's a bit pretentious, but I applied for Muppet, tosser and racist but unfortunately mark latham beat me to it you cannot be serious a big weekend of sport has just wrapped up and uh, our man our triple m sports guru is dobbo he joins me for breakfast g'day mate g'day lee how are you mate, well, i'm, I'm I obviously you whistling were, i didn't think i love your whistling yeah i love i love a whistler now you know and I you know i'm happy away. yeah well i know why you're happy i mean <laughs> I'm actually quite surprised you're even at work today. I've got to be honest with you. I said to my wife on, on, on Saturday night, I said to my wife, um, I said, I've got to do some crosses on Monday. And they said, why? And I, and I said, well, one cross I've got to do is in the Toowoomba and the Darling Downs. And I said, Lee Faulkner's not going to be on. And I said, he's still celebrating. Who would have seen the Eels beat the Panthers? I mean, let's talk about it. Friday night, Bluebed Stadium. What it showed was that Parramatta are the real deal. They're not going to be there every single week consistently, but they have got that performance in a big game, which means if they can get to the grand final, if they can get to the top four, they're as good a chance as any other team in the Telstra Premiership. And that's a really good sign for this competition because to me at the moment, looking at it, after the Storm put another 40 points on a team, the Sharks put 30 with 12 men on the Warriors, yes. the Eagles put 36 points on the Tigers, the Roosters put 44 points on the Titans. The gap is widening so much between the top teams and the rest. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it now, and I, I'm so happy for Brisbane that they beat the Rabbitohs, but yes. I'm going to call that we know that Melbourne, we know that Penrith, we now know that probably the North Queensland Cowboys, Cronulla, Parramatta, the Sydney Roosters, they are all going to make the eight. Now, it's just the rest. Yeah. Are Manly good enough? Yes, probably. So that means there's one spot to be fought out between 
Brisbane, South Sydney, the Warriors, St George. And the rest of them, no disrespect to Canberra, no disrespect to the West Tigers, Gold Coast, Canterbury, Newcastle, you're not going to make the eight. So I'd say there's four teams contesting for one spot, and that's eight. And that's the eighth position, and and the rest of them, um, and that's St George, the Warriors, South Sydney, and Brisbane, and the rest can go and start preparing for 2023 because the gap is so wide at the moment. Well, it is. And in the fair income department, would you be nervous if you're Nathan Brown after what we saw yesterday? Eleven men for ten minutes, twelve men for most of the game, and they still couldn't get a win. I mean, where does he go? I'm I'm with you. I I can't believe that they lost that game. Extraordinary. So much about the Sharks. I'm also, if you're Justin Holbrook, you've been flying under the radar for some time. Yes. I mean, their performance, let's face it, the last win they had was on the bell against a West Tigers side. They won 8-6. It could be the lowest game in the history of rugby league, and they should not have won that game. It, it, like it, I, it was, I, I was part of that coverage. It was a dreadful game. So he's got to be under some, under some pressure as well. I yeah. mean, that, that's, the, that's the big issues now that we're dealing with. They have to be under some pressure, and you've got to start looking at... They've just gone and signed Kieran Floor on the Gold Coast Titans because yes. they wanted experience, but they had a guy called Jamal Fogarty who was their club captain had they let go because they were going with youth. Yeah. It makes no sense. No. It makes no sense what they've done. No, it doesn't. And I, I would imagine that there's a couple of coaches that are a bit concerned, and Trent Barrett would have to be another one, given the difference between the performance this week and last oh. week when Gus took the reins. Every single week, there's something different. You don't know what you're going to end up with, a do- uh, with, with it, unfortunately. But the big thing he's talking about is the bunker. It, 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 the bunker is the biggest issue in rugby league at the moment because there's no consistency whatsoever. Um, every time, you know, we see... Every time we see um, one ruling go one way, the bunker gets involved and goes another way. Yeah. So, um, bar bar the fact that we've got a Brisbane Lions team that's super full of superstars in the AFL, um, the Rugby League, you've got a Cowboys team and a Broncos side that you can support, and Lee's Parramatta Reels. I mean. Yeah, really. It's, it's, we're just getting ready for magic round now. Let's just hope we don't get flooded out. Well, I'll keep we my fingers crossed for that. I'll be on there on the Sunday with my son to watch the games, including the Parramatta game. Looking forward to that. It was great to have the Host Plus game here. PNG Hunters and the North Devils, they put on an absolute yeah. thriller in Toowoomba yeah. and proved that we are ready for a Q Cup team once again. So that, of course, uh, now is the big drive, and we look forward to that. Uh, mate, as always, love talking rugby league with you. Our, our sports guru at Triple M is Good on you, Lee. Thank you, Thanks, champion. Mate. See you, Cheers, mate. mate. Bye-bye. Bye. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And welcome to Time Traveller Thursday. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Lee, it's Wednesday. Well, not if you're a time traveller. Time is a traveller. Once again, a self-proclaimed time traveller has made some lofty predictions for the coming months, warning that a new species will emerge on Earth after the ground opens up in America. Now, for those of you not on TikTok, dozens of people have come out of the woodwork of late claiming to be from the future in order to warn us about various catastrophic events. Alien invasions, plagues, the United Australia Party getting the balance of power, that sort of thing. And TikToker Kawhi Leonard, no, not the NBA superstar, just some dude who goes by the handle The Hidden God One, is one of them. Now, to be fair, they've garnered over 200,000 followers with their time traveller-themed content, so you can't really knock them for trying. In one video, viewed about 7 million times, they tell viewers that a leaked document from one of these time movers highlights three dates to remember this year. First up, 
the 14th of July, the Great Split, which unlike just about every other news story at the moment, isn't about Johnny and Amber. Instead, they reckon it will be America's biggest ever earthquake. I mean, that at least is possible. Secondly, on the 9th of August, this alleged document claims two million people around the world will mysteriously disappear, and the events get more far-fetched as the year goes on, as the third and final one set to unfold on the 3rd of October will see creatures known as stalkers showing up across the world. So reading between the lines, you have to assume that the great earthquake swallows two million people, possibly Fox News viewers, who are then morphed into brain-dead, easily manipulated zombies doing someone else's bidding. It was a quick conversion and reappear as said stalkers. But no. I mean, if time travel to the future was a thing, Chris Rock would have ducked. You cannot be serious! <laughs> <laughs>